Welcome back to the Bad Calvinist Podcast. I am Gray Marshall, one of the three Bad Calvinists, and today it's my pleasure to present a very special live event podcast from May of this year at the Scioto Valley Presbytery meeting. We were invited to present a shortened version of our podcast on the parable of the workers in the vineyard from Matthew 20. If you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. And it is greatly appreciated and helps others find us. Now, without further ado, enjoy this very special live recorded episode. I throw it to Jason, who gets us started with the scripture reading. So I'm going to read the uh, scripture reading for us for today. Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for the vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same, and about five o'clock he went out and found others standing around And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard. And so when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage, and when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, and they said, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the landowner replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Well, welcome to the Bad Calvinist podcast. We are coming to you live, kind of, sort of. We are live, but it won't be live when people actually listen to it (laughs) online. From the Scioto Valley Presbytery meeting held at the London Presbyterian Church, I am Jason Link from the First Presbyterian Church in Chillicothe, and I'm joined by... Joel Esla, pastor at Circleville Presbyterian Church. And Gray Marshall, the pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Washington Courthouse. And so we are bad Calvinists because we all come from the Calvinist tradition. John Calvin, our heritage, but we're bad, not because we were in the principal's office a lot, although, (laughs) well, that's for another day. We're bad because we bump up against that tradition, and we're willing to ask questions about that tradition and willing to challenge that tradition. 
and uh, to do it not, uh, not in an instigatory way, but in a faithful way, seeking to be faithful to the Scriptures. And so we're going to talk about this passage about the laborers in the vineyard. And you know what? It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair at all. But you know what I tell my kids when they tell me it's not fair? <laughs> I say, well, the fair, the fair happens in August. So that's, oh, the fair that's when it's fair. Oh. That's when it gets real fair. That's oh. a real dad joke. 11 right months there. out of the year, it doesn't matter. The fair happens <laughs> in August. But it's not fair, is it? This story no. is not fair. It's not fair. And I, I really think that this vineyard owner, I mean, you could argue this guy is kind of a jerk. I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, this guy, you know, we're supposed to equate him, this person to God. Maybe. Uh, possibly. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, but the idea is that like he goes out to hire all these people. Uh, he goes at, in, in the morning, he goes at nine, he goes at noon, he goes at five. Um, and, you know, at the people at five, he kind of, like, gets on them. You know, why, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Well, they wouldn't have been standing there if they didn't, they didn't need the money, right, the idea. And so he's kind of coming down, but he has established the relationship with him. He brings them out. Then when it comes to pay him, the vineyard owner refu- sends the foreman, doesn't even want to follow through yeah. on his plan, right? Man, he's and cynical. What's that? You're cynical. I'm, well, I'm being a little cynical here, but I just want to say this <laughs> guy isn't text. always the nicest guy. So then, and then when he grumble, and then when they grumble, he, you know, he is basically saying, this is my stuff. I get to do what I want with it. Which seems like a good biblical principle. That when we look at our wealth <laughs> and our land and our well-being to say, it's, it's mine. Our, it's mine. It's mine. And I get to do what I please with it. <laughs> and that's, that's how a two-year-old responds. It's mine. <laughs> and I'm just going to take it. It's mine. And it's mine, and if I want to share it with you, then I can share it with you. But if I don't want to share it with you, I don't have to share it with you. Yeah. My mother used to love to punish me and my uh, sister when we'd get into fights with one another. And it was always over, what's fair? And I've got a very deep sense of justice. That's what drives mm-hmm. my, my whole like, personality. And she would force us as a punishment to sit on the couch and hug one another. Oh. Uh, as the punishment (laughs) until we learned that life was not fair. (laughs) You know, so so the story's not fair. Right. And that's that's I think it's okay to acknowledge that. Right. Right. So so one typical understanding of this story is about the grace of God. And the grace of God's not fair either. Right. Because you get as much as I get, even though I'm better than you are. Right. Right. Right? We've acknowledged that? We've acknowledged that. Okay, that's good. That's good. You clearly are. The grace of God doesn't come to some and not to others. The right. grace of God falls upon all. Whether you work one hour or ten hours, right. the exactly. grace of God falls. Well, that's not fair either, but we don't really get a say in the grace of God, do we? I guess not. I know. Yeah. So I, I don't know what to make of this parable. You, you know, don't? I, I've spent a lot of time with it this week um, preparing for it. You may not, it may not look like it, but preparing for this, this event here. Yep. And um, the more that I dug into it, I was sure I knew what it was. And I initially started with God being the landowner. That seems right. like the, right. the, the way that, that I've been brought up to, to see this, right? God is, you know, if there's a rich, powerful man in a parable. That's God. <laughs> who else could <laughs> it's gotta be? It's got to be God. But, but maybe if the gospel of Jesus Christ is about, you know, God using the weak things of this world to shame the wise, we at least do ourselves a favor to question uh, what might the, the powerful person always being the one equated with God? I, I want to say that's a bad interpretation, but in a good way, right? <laughs> right, in a faithful kind of looking at it from a new kind of perspective way. So, yeah, go, so go a little more deeper. Yeah, 
Yeah. Marxist, capitalism, <laughs> socialism. Where do you want to go? I did hear Richard Rohr say recently Richard that, Rohr, that capitalists yeah. hate this parable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And so I think, I mean, speaking on that a little bit, I mean, I think that I think you could look at this idea of not identifying God necessarily as the vineyard owner, but the idea here that uh, it's more about the situation is which the mm-hmm. kingdom of the heaven is like, right? And so while the, the vineyard owner may not have been super generous, right, because we know that the one denarii is probably what any day laborer would have been paid for the day, that was what was required, and research has kind of shown some different things, but generally that was what was required and some of these folks if they were day laborers may not have been able to make a living um, outside of harvest season very easily um, and so they needed this money to not only feed themselves but potentially their families yeah. as well and so while it wasn't a lot uh, at the end the vineyard owner does choose something pretty radical um, at the end of this parable, right? Or at least very, unexpected. Yeah, very unexpected. And so the idea here is that the vineyard owner actually is choosing people over profit by recognizing that the people who were hired at the end of the day also need to be able to go home and feed their families. There's a value associated with each person, and right. that value is right. equal. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so this vineyard owner then, in a way, chooses people over profit. And I think it's a really powerful image out of this out of this parable. And while it doesn't necessarily like equate the vineyard owner with God, like this has got to be God, it does tell you about what the kingdom of heaven may be like, where we value relationship over individual needs and wants, um, and seek out uh, the other to bring them in, um, and as people of privilege, figuring out how we might be able to lift others up out of this situation as well. Yeah, there's, there's a reading of this parable that's at least worth considering, which is the, the precariousness of the day labor in the first century right. in Israel. Right, that, um, that they were probably treated worse than slaves. Yeah. Because a slave, uh, the, the landowner, uh, would have had a vested interest in that slave's well-being. Right. You, you live here with me. You live on my property. And while I own you, uh, nonetheless, I, I, your well-being directly affects my profits day in and day out. Right. Whereas a day right. laborer, hey, you hire them today, you don't tomorrow. They're actually right. worth less to you. Yeah. Right. And so is, is it possible that Jesus is, is uplifting this group of ultra-marginalized people in an extremely marginalized people group? You know, that's why I love getting together with you guys. Because I, <laughs> you know, and I just mean that mostly sincerely. Yeah, mostly. Um, mostly sincerely. Because you look at things from perspectives that I've never looked at it, right? You know, so I, I see one of the big parts of the story is the value of each person, yeah. right? But you take it to that deeper level. And, and even within the society, slaves versus day laborers versus the landowners and seeing those different delineations there and, and and even between the lines. And I think that's what's important for us to do is to read in between the lines of this story and not just to take it kind of at the face value to see if there is something a little bit uh, deeper going on there. Yeah, and I think it's a, a, this attempt for the vineyard owner to kind of see that he is uh, he is members with this person, that each person that he's hired has dignity, has value. Um, and so while I'm not a, the biggest fan of his kind of victim blaming at the end of the parable, I do, think, I do think that there's something powerful about what he says because this is ideas like if everybody has what they need, what's the problem? Yeah. 
And I think that's a really powerful kind mm-hmm. of idea. What's that to you? If I know that the person who was hired last also has as much dignity as you do, let, let me push back there a little bit yeah, because I think I think there's a piece in here about what we deserve mm. versus what we feel we receive, right? And I think that's where it ties into the idea of grace. Do we deserve grace? And I think a traditional understanding would be no, we don't deserve yep. grace, but instead yep. we receive grace. Right. And and. The, the person who worked the full 10 hours, they're feeling like they deserve more right. Right. than what they have received, even though what they've received is, well, maybe, maybe not a, a full year's worth of salary for working one day. It, it, it's, it's compensation for what he has done for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it's this idea of, of earning something versus receiving a gift. You know, think about how special it is to receive a gift, and, right. and, and not just a gift, but a uh, a gift that you didn't know was coming. Right. And, you know, imagine all of us, all of our listeners, we can, can imagine that you received something and you had no idea it was coming and how, right. how special that was. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of times we talk about the grumbling day laborers. What about the, the day laborer who worked an hour and got paid for 10 hours? Wow. They weren't grumbling. They weren't grumbling. <laughs> they, they recognized what they had received right. was not necessarily was what they gift. had earned, sure. but it was this gift. Right. And, uh, right. you know, to be willing to look at the story, again, looking at the, the, looking at the different lines of the text, yeah. Yeah. not just looking at it from the, the sight of the, the grumbling, mm-hmm. but, um, but to be willing to look at it, you know, be kind of neat to be the guy that works for an hour and... <laughs> Well, we only work a day a week, right? A couple yeah. hours. You know, we get a full-time salary. That's what so my best friend great. says. He yeah. goes, you work yeah. for one hour a week. Congratulations. You got the greatest job in the world. Uh, you know, it's maybe two hours a week if you count Sunday yeah, school. Yeah, you yeah, know, teach Sunday that. school. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and of course, the, you know, the, the only reason you're upset is because of what the other person gets right. and, and how much right. of our life is wasted in comparison and right. envy. Right? Right. How, how much of our energy is lost because we're busy envying somebody else. Had we not known, it would have been just fine. Right. right? I would have been perfectly happy to receive what I got. Yeah, and I think talking about this idea that if we live our lives by, Joel, what you had mentioned here on strict bookkeeping, this idea that it's all about bookkeeping. I'm I'm keeping track of what I have earned, what I have deserved, and it's going to come at me versus understanding that God's gift of grace comes before you're even able to respond to it. I guess that makes us good Calvinists all of a sudden, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's at least a good Calvinist understanding <laughs> yeah, of exactly, it, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, Rob Bell says about this parable that, that you can't divide the infinite. Yeah. Right? And so if, if God's love and generosity is poured out upon everyone, the idea that because someone else gets some, that doesn't mean you're getting less, getting right? Less. And, right, and right. The infinite is the infinite is the infinite, and there's no dividing, there's no subtracting from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I think to, to kind of parse that out a little bit further, take it a little bit further, the, the idea of, of scarcity in our world versus plenty in our world. Yep. And it's easy to fall into that scarcity thing, and we've got to hoard up everything that we have that, that's ours because, well, we don't know when we're going to need that. And, and, right. and that mentality versus the mentality of uh, there's, there's going to be enough. Right. There's always going to be enough. And, you know, I think that affects us on personal levels. I think that affects us on, on church levels. Um, I think that, that whole idea of scarcity versus right. um, having plenty and, and where, where you fall in that. And, and the reality is I think, I think it may be hard for us, I know it's hard for me, to, 
to kind of put myself in the shoes of one of these day laborers, right? Mm-hmm. We, we all comfortably have calls to our churches that are pretty uh, safe and secure, and we know that week after week the paycheck's going to come. But for people, and there are people in our world, people probably in our churches who don't have that same sense of security, you know, and to be willing to, to, to read this story through their eyes, um, and to, to understand what that's like for them. Yeah, and about here and now. Um, Amy Jill Levine talks about this parable saying that, you know, we, we often come to a parable like this and, and want to ask Jesus, how do I get into heaven? And she says, well, maybe he responds to that. Uh, the more important question is, do your children have enough to eat tonight? Right. And, and maybe that's what this parable is about. We're so used to putting this into what happens to you when you die because Matthew loves to always use that phrase, the kingdom of heaven. Right. So you think, right. oh, it must be about right. then and there. Right. But maybe it's about how we are to treat and how we're to love our neighbor right here and right now. Yeah. And Absolutely. the responsibilities of the rich. You know, the, the one, um, the verse that really does stick out to me is that verse 15 where he says, uh, isn't, it, isn't it mine to do with, with mine as I please? And I think that's not really... Uh, grounded in, in Torah, right? No, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. It's all God. What? Yeah, the land's yeah. not it's yours? The, right. the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, including your right. land and your wealth. And, right. and the, if we think that what I have is mine, uh, we are living out of that scarcity mindset. We're not mm. living as, mm. as God's people. I think Jesus is always uh, calling the rich to their responsibilities. That generosity is not uh, a luxury that you can choose to indulge. Right. Oh, I'm feeling generous today, so I guess I'll be generous. Generosity is justice. Yeah. Yeah. This is your responsibility, is to take care of the people. Yeah. And so what did the landowner do the next day? Yeah. <laughs> right? Right? Did he go out, and, and were they all lined up there at first thing in the morning, or were they all scarce until 5 o'clock, hoping he'd come back around <laughs> again? Come... Right? Right? So, I mean, I think that's fun yeah. to play with as well, yeah, right? That's fun. Do we? And I think that what that does is it puts a little personal responsibility on sure. us. Right. And, and to recognize that that uh, while it's not fair, the story is not fair, the generosity of God, the generosity yeah. of this landowner speaks to us at a really Absolutely. deep level. I uh, recently and maybe you all heard the story from last weekend of uh, this billionaire investor, Robert F. Smith at a Morehouse yeah. College. Did you all see this story? Pretty neat. Pretty neat. And it was um, a pretty amazing story in his in his uh, commencement address. And I was thinking about, Joel, what you were talking about, this idea of recognizing that what you have isn't necessarily yours, but actually it belongs to all you of us in a way that, yeah. that we have a responsibility to go with it. And he says in his, in his speech, he said, on behalf of the eight generations of my family who have been in this country, we're going to put a little fuel in your bus. Hmm. Neat. And that is when he declared that he was going to pay all the student debt of all 400 graduates of Morehouse College in this class. Um, and it's this amazing story. Um, 40, 40 million plus dollars. Yeah, yeah it looks, of, uh, yeah, 40 million plus. Um, and so he said, my family is going to, gr- making a grant to eliminate their student loans. And I love that he couched it in understanding that he was part of a longer line of history, uh, of generosity. Yeah. And he shared that in his speech yeah. of these stories of people who have been generous to him that made it possible for him to be. And so he recognized in that moment that he was able then, that this was not just his, but this belonged to all of us, and he was able to share this. Now, I do think then, what is the next class going to think about? Yeah, right. That's right. Who, <laughs> who, on, I should have graduated who early. next year? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to reject the offer to speak yeah. next year. Um, no. But I, I love that idea because, I mean, that's, it kind of embodies 
the what we understand of generosity that what you have doesn't belong to you. It's not an us versus them. It's right. a, it's a we're in this together kind right. of thing. Right. You know, and I think the reality is there are there are people like this gentleman here who have who have made good financial decisions in his life to be able yep. to take on that yes. and to be able to offer that. And there are other people who would not be able to, right. to take that on. Right. But to recognize that we are in this together. Um, we're in this together as a church. The church, uh, we just had uh, some beautiful music. Not everybody can play the organ. Not everybody can sing in the choir. Right. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same thing that we bring to the table. But to recognize what we do bring to the table and that yeah. we're in this together. We share all that stuff yeah. uh, together so with each part other. Part of that is then checking your privilege, right? Yeah. Like this idea of willing to be radical in your generosity. And so the idea is like I know for a fact that I spend more on shoes than some people spend maybe on half a week's food. Well, not, well yeah, these are these I think, are, no, I think these you are need echoes. A new pair of shoes. These are nice. very expensive. These are very yeah. expensive oh, really? shoes. And so I, I hate that, actually, yeah. in a way, because I know that, that I, I spend it so have, casually. Have you seen the Instagram Joel. preachers and sneakers? Preachers yeah. and sneakers? <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to do. But that no, idea that I, spend, that, list. <laughs> I spend it so casually right. and know that that money, it could be, it could be so right. impactful for someone in right. poverty in my community. Right. right. You know? Yeah. And so, how, how flippant I am about spending uh, it. We got to wrap this up, okay? Yes, because we got to get to communion. Yeah. Uh, one of the disciplines that I've been doing lately is trying to read Julian of Norwich every day, every day. And uh, two days ago, this is what I found in her uh, Revelations: of Divine Love, that we are God's bliss, we are God's reward, we are God's honor, we are God's crown. Hmm. We are created by this extravagantly generous God. Yep. Right, whose, whose generosity is poured out upon all creation, all people of all kinds. And you are made in the image of that God, whose greatest treasure is not a vineyard, is, is you. It's you, it's me, and it's the people that are placed in our midst. You know, and maybe that's really important to recognize. This is a story. This is not reality, right? This is supposed to help Jesus, us to it's see. It's real. It's real, but it's supposed God's to, grace is real. God's grace is real, but the story, what I'm saying is the story points to, points us towards something else. And the story Absolutely. points us towards what you just said, that we are God's Absolutely. crown, Absolutely. that we are the, the pinnacle of what God has uh, has created. We thank you all for uh, listening to the Bad Calvinist podcast. If you like what you heard, you can certainly find us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. Just search the Bad Calvinist. And uh, we're signing off for today. Until next time. Thank you all. You can applaud. It's okay.